Remember the question that all of us heard back in 2010, 2009. The question I heard from everyone was, where is there a job? That's not the question we're hearing today. The jobs are out there. The question is, how do I get the training? How do I get the opportunity to take that job? That, of course, was Governor Rick Snyder last night giving his State of the State address in Lansing, focusing in on the idea of worker training as the challenge that lies ahead in his administration as he enters the last two years that he will be governor here in the state of Michigan. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We begin today by talking about the state of the state. Uh, The governor's speech last night, he not only talked about worker training, he of course talked about infrastructure and the Flint water crisis. He talked about the economy and jobs. Uh, We want to hear from you. Uh, what did you think about the speech? Did you watch the speech? Did you think that he talked about the things that you need him to talk about? Did he talk about the problems that you think confront us most urgently here in the state of Michigan? And if he left something out, uh, tell me what that is. Uh, what's on your mind that does not seem to be on the governor's mind? 313 577 1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, We will work your comments into the conversation. I'm going to say up front that uh, I thought this was a particularly well-delivered speech by uh, Governor Rick Snyder, who, if you think back to the early, early days of his administration, the first uh, state of the state uh, speech he gave, uh, he seemed sort of awkward and halting. Uh, His voice would crack an awful lot when he was up there talking. It was pretty obvious that he was nervous. Uh, Over the years, I think he's gotten better and better at delivering this speech and probably hit his apex last night in terms of that delivery. He was very conversational and very relaxed up there in front of uh, the legislature and other guests. I also, though, think it was a speech that was very light on substance. Uh, This was not a speech in which the governor was outlining uh, imperative policy positions that he wants to get done, for instance, in the next year. Notice when he talked about things like infrastructure and the Flint water crisis, he was not terribly specific about what we will see in the next year in those areas. Uh, And so in that way, the speech, I think, fell a little short of where some of the other speeches that he's given uh, have been and a little short of maybe what we need right now here in the state of Michigan. Uh, There are a lot of issues pressing on us. There are a lot of things that we probably need to sit and talk about and think about and maybe do a little differently. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of that to to be gotten from the substance of his speech. But again, we want to hear what you thought of what the governor said. Uh, Again, that number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. And joining me in studio to talk about the governor's state of the state address is Matt Friedman of the Tanner Friedman PR firm. Matt, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be back. Absolutely. Also here is Nancy Derringer, a reporter with Bridget. Magazine, one of our partners in the Detroit Journalism Cooperative. Nancy, welcome to be well, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you, and I'm sorry I was a little bit late. Ah, you got here in time for the conversation. That's what matters. Uh, all right, so let's start with initial impressions about the governor's 
speech, uh, Matt, uh, w- w- what did you think about what the governor said and how he said it last night? I think it was all there, but I think that it was not packaged properly. The Flint water crisis is still a crisis. People in Flint People can't, can't, drink they the water. can't go to their sink and get water like the rest of us can. And for him not to acknowledge that until halfway through the speech was a mistake. Yeah, you you wrote down, you took very meticulous notes, I should I should say, uh, on the speech. Yeah. You wrote down what time it was. It was 7.34 by the time he mentioned Flint. I would have advised him as a PR counselor to get that out, out of the Come out of the way. gate, right? Come out of the gate, set a tone, and say, we are still in crisis. I'm going to tell you tonight about a lot of things that are going well, but there's one thing that's still not. He only spoke about Flint for two minutes. It was a lot of shout-outs. He talked about progress. He talked about solutions. But, but the fact of the matter is people can't drink the water like the rest of us can. Yeah. He promised a fix a year ago. It's not fixed, and he should have acknowledged that, set a tone, talked about how important it was, and then moved on. In terms of the way he went through what he called an incredible year, I think it was a, a style where he was very comfortable, and I think that's part of, part of it is he was probably driving the bus. It was very much in an accountant-like presentation. I counted 24 topics in the first half hour of the speech. He rattled through stuff, um, and a lot of it had a lot of numbers. Um, By the way, he didn't mention the word problem until 722. (laughs) So he spent about 20 minutes uh, rattling through all kinds of stuff that's going great. I'm glad it was in the speech. I enjoy living in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing business in Michigan. There are a lot of upsides, a lot of positives here that we forget about sometimes, yeah. especially when we're talking about these things in the media. And it, it, that needed to be in there. I just think I would have flip-flopped it and reorganized it. And, and, and you know, I, I sort of sat there wondering whether, uh, or, or I guess how much influence the new legislature and the makeup of the new legislature might have had on this speech. I mean, this is a governor who's had a hard time the entire time he's been in office dealing with the legislature, getting them to to focus on the things he wants to focus on, getting them not to do things that he doesn't particularly want to pay attention to. I imagine that's going to get worse this year, uh, given given the people who are in charge of the of the legislature. It, it made me wonder whether. Uh, this speech was uh, sort of geared to 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 well let's just uh, start off with you know common ground good news kinds of things because uh, i don't have a lot of wiggle room here that could very well be there are multiple audiences at work when you're talking about a, a politician giving a speech and he's got people in his ear telling him to speak to certain audiences I believe nobody has ever gone out of business. Nobody's ever lost an election by putting people first. Yeah. So address that first and then get to your other audience. Yeah. And this is something he struggled with for, from the beginning with the Flint water crisis is uh, that note of empathy or just emoting about the people in Flint. He has not, he's not been consistent about that, and he's, I don't think he's ever done it as effectively uh, as I've seen other politicians. He, he's uh, not far off of this dashboard spreadsheet yeah. mode. I mean, even in Flint, he rattled off numbers about their accomplishments. To me, uh, maybe if you're giving a letter grade, you look at numbers, but this is pass-fail. You can yeah. drink the water, you can't. Right. It, right. It's still a failure. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Nancy Derringer, what was your impression of uh, Governor Snyder's speech last night? Well, I think the first, the most obvious thing was that this was not the Snyder of um, a year or two ago when the Flint 
crisis was just emerging into the the greater um, you know consciousness nationally and internationally. I mean, he didn't look like he was walk a man walking to the executioner, which is what he looked like a couple years <laughs> ago. I mean, that you know that that the old confident Rick Snyder was back. Um, you know, I I told my husband that. Uh, if we had a drinking game for every time he said the word shout out, we would probably be <laughs> unconscious by 730. So I'm glad Matt took some really good notes there. Um, you know, I thought it was, um, I, I thought it, you know, it, 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 it's nothing like a speech like this to make you miss, uh, pre <laughs> to pre miss the soaring uh, oratory of the Obama years. Because, right. you know, it was like reading a very, um, long press release uh, interrupted by um, you know applause lines and yeah. there were just a million of them and but yeah I was I was disappointed that he didn't mention Flint um, he did kind of give a big preemptive uh, push uh, to preserve healthy Michigan which I thought was you know that was promising for for someone like me um, I thought the uh, um, I think that was probably my big takeaway, along yeah. with Flint. Yeah. And you, you know, that he would probably say, "Well, you can drink the water in Flint as long as you have a free filter." Right. But that's not. But that's not I was okay. Say, I if mean, that were my house, I I wouldn't be too pleased with that's that. That's not what the rest of us do. No. No, that's it not isn't. A fix not at all. In any no. way, and and you know, his inability to to st- uh, to sort of stand in consistently there and say. Uh, and say what it is we need to do or what sort of urgent fix is on tap, uh, no pun intended, uh, for, for the people of, of, of Flint, you know, it's a little baffling at this point. I mean, we're two years into this. This is not right. new. He knows what the scope of the problem is. He knows uh, uh, what what needs to be done. Why can't he why can't he say it? They're they're trudging toward a solution there. I mean, they are, you know, one by one opening the holes, replacing the service lines. It's just really slow going. And, you know, they've they're still kind of piecing the money together too. And yeah. so, you know, I mean it's it's a it's a terrible situation. This is an old city. The pipes are, you know, when you open those holes, you never know what you're gonna find down there. It just isn't really gonna go incredibly yeah. fast. But, but you know, I, I, I... I've said this before. I think there are politicians who take situations like this and make them into uh, huge moments sure. for for their administrations. Right to, to to say, look, this is an old city, and we're opening up the, the 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 ground and finding all kinds of things that need attention. And you know, here's. Uh, and Flint's not alone, right? right? You could do the same thing in Detroit. You could do the same thing in Muskegon. All kinds of places, elder sure. cities, uh, have these infrastructure problems. Some people would use that as a as a rallying point to try to sort of uh, address these problems in a bigger way. Right. He, he also has hasn't not done, that. done that. Not yeah. even no, close. When yeah. when I do speaker training. I look for opportunities for clients to be able to build up to the point that they really want to make, to bridge to that point. So he had an opportunity to do that with infrastructure. And over the last few weeks, it seems like the breadcrumbs were being dropped to be able to make a big announcement about a grand vision for infrastructure. We didn't really hear that last night. We heard a little bit about it. He said that there's a commission working on it. I don't think people really understand what goes into that and what's going to come out of that. So there was a real opportunity to lead with Flint and use that as an opportunity to bridge to a, a big vision for fixing stuff like this that's looming all over the state, not only with water, but with roads and bridges or anything else that fits into that category. And 
he didn't get there, and I think that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. All right, this is uh, Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Matt Friedman of the Tanner Friedman PR firm and Nancy Derringer, a reporter with Bridge Magazine. We are talking about uh, Governor Rick Snyder's State of the State address last night uh, delivered. This is his second-to-last State of the State address. Uh, there's no question the governor looks more comfortable now doing this than he did in 2011 or 20. 2012, certainly more comfortable than he did in 2015 or 16, uh, in particular when the Flint water crisis was looming and sort of spinning out of control. What did you think of what the governor did or said last night? What did you think about the role that the Flint water crisis still going on for the people in Flint? Uh, what role it played in the speech? Did it get enough air in the speech? Did it get enough attention? Did his plans to fix infrastructure statewide get enough attention? What about jobs and the economy, education, higher ed? Uh, how did the governor do? Give us a call if you want to join the conversation. That's uh, The number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the Facebook page here at WDET and put your comments there. Uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Also, give us a call if you didn't watch the speech at all. Uh, if, if you just weren't interested in what the governor had to say, tell me why. Uh, this is the one time of year that uh, that we all get to hear from the chief executive, the, the person we've elected to run the state of Michigan. Uh, I uh, consistently watch. It's sort of my job to pay attention. Uh, but I'm wondering uh, if maybe you checked out last night, maybe watched something else. Maybe you're watching the DeVos hearings in Washington, uh, which is something we're going to talk about in the last segment of the show today. Uh, that was what I was watching a little more carefully than uh, Governor Rick Snyder. But again, 313 577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. Uh, guys, I want to ask about um, the governor uh, uh, talking about uh, this switch to um, to training. He made a lot last night of the progress we've made in Michigan with jobs uh, and the recovery. And there's no question that we are in a much different space now than we were uh, in 2010 when he was elected. Although uh, yesterday... Uh, I had Charlie Ballard on the show talking about the the sort of uh, softer underside of some of those numbers that uh, that incomes are not rebounding the way we would like them to uh, rebound. And when you compare Michigan to other states, uh, some other states are doing much better. They're going much faster uh, in recovery. But the governor last night spent a lot of time talking about uh, the recovery. But he said, and I, th I thought that was a great quote, that, uh, that what, what he hears from people now is not where are the jobs, it's how do I get trained for those jobs? And I think that is the central question, not just in this administration with the economy here in Michigan. I think that's the central American question uh, right now. How are we going to get people prepared for the work that will still exist after uh, the the monumental sort of technological revolution that's taking place in work. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to employers, I mean, that's what they, they talk about that incessantly. They say, well, I've got jobs, but I, I can't, you know, I don't have trained people for them. Now you, you can unpack that a little bit and say, well, you need to be doing more on the job training and so forth. But they do have a point and they talk about the lack of vocational education, 
um, that with the push to put everybody into some sort of higher or post-secondary ed that we've neglected that. You don't, you know, some will say you don't need to go to community college to do some of these jobs, but but you know, so we we definitely have to kind of rebalance our education, um, you know, platform a little bit to, yeah. so that we can get people prepared for that. But that comes up time and again when you talk to 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 business leaders yeah. in Michigan. Yeah. I, I thought that was by far the most effective moment in the speech from a PR perspective. What that said to the audience is this guy gets what's going on, sure, and as tone deaf as he may be in some other areas. That was one where he, I think, really hit it on the head, and that resonated not only with employers, but also with with people out there in the workforce and people who are worried about their kids having jobs when they get through school. So I, I thought that that was kind of a sweet spot of the speech for him, and he's got to find a way now to keep that going because it's clear it's something the state needs. Yeah. Uh, but here, again, as with infrastructure, I mean, um, there wasn't a specific plan uh, <laughs> well, we heard that a commission was studying right. it, and I think yeah. you know last year my my so the governor who really likes commission. Yeah, my, <laughs> well, last year my joke was that he announced every commission, but a commission on commissions right. last year. <laughs> right. We we need to know citizens. We need to know what's going on. We're, we're the work. Pro- we need a progress report. Yeah. Otherwise, this thing could be tied up in a commission for who knows long. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, not why. That wasn't the purpose of putting all that together. Well, and the the infrastructure uh, question, we've already got a commission report. I mean, that's done. And right. what they've said is we're about $4 billion short every year uh, to, to take care of what we have and upgrade it for the future. The question now is not, uh, you know, what, do we what need? to do. The question now is how to pay for it. I mean, $4 exactly. billion is enormous amount of money. Uh, I mean, just for a frame of reference, uh, a penny on uh, the sales tax, I think, still gets you about a billion dollars in revenue a year. So imagine if we uh, raised uh, our sales tax from 6% to 10%. And what is the legislature talking about right now? Right. Cutting Cutting taxes. Income taxes. I know, which is, I mean, talk about the wrong message at the wrong time. Yeah. And people are, are, I mean, I I get the sense that people, the citizens are starting to, to really focus in on this. Uh, that because they they see the the effects. I mean this this sinkhole swallowing up people's houses in Macomb County. Uh, the, you know the 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 continuing deterioration of our roads. Even though we supposedly now have a roads package, it's going to give us a little more money to do that. Um, this is on people's minds, uh, but it's not on the mind of the governor and the legislature, at least in specific ways. No. This was also supposed to be a big federal priority after that bridge collapsed in right. Minneapolis, which right. was, I think, 10 years ago. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of catch-up work that has to be done, yeah. and the question is who's going to pay for it? And that's why there needs to be a vision, a plan, something presented so that people can decide, does this work or not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you get the feeling, Stephen, that, that the voters and the residents of Michigan are asking for their income tax to be decreased? I mean... I don't think I, they In are. fact, I think Jack Brandenburg actually said, I want to see what happens when, <laughs> you know, why do these other, why do, you know, however many other states don't have any right. income tax at all and they manage to make it? Yeah. Well, you know, there's... I get a lot. I've there's a lot, a lot of good of, answers to that. There <laughs> are. And I, you know, I wrote a column on Sunday about this income tax idea and um, I get a lot of questions along that line. Well, why does that work in Florida? Why does that work... Uh, in a place like Texas. Uh, and I said, well, in Florida, 
you know, you have this little place called Disney uh, and, <laughs> and hundreds of miles of warm water coastline that attract tourists. I mean, right. essentially, the rest of the nation uh, and much of the world helps pay for uh, government in Florida through through taxes uh, on tourism. In, in, in Texas, uh, every barrel of oil that gets pulled out of the Gulf gets uh, a tax slapped on it. Sure. That pays for government. I mean, uh, and so I think the question is, if you want to get rid of the income tax here, well, I don't know, maybe that's an interesting idea. But the question is, what do you substitute it with? And someone like Jack Brandenburg is saying, well, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll see. Figure it out. We'll right. figure it out. But of course, <laughs> what he's really doing is playing to an ideological base that right. I think uh, just thinks taxes are bad. I, I, the, the question, I think, really is how much of the citizenry falls into that base versus uh, the frustration that people have over government's inability to, to, to do its job here symbolized most uh, prominently in this state in the city of Flint. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know where we'll get with those things. Okay, we've got uh, quite a few phone calls uh, that we want to get to, uh, but we're going to take a quick break first. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to get to the phones. We'll also hear from some other listeners who called in uh, and had questions for the governor before his speech and during it last night. Uh, and if you have questions, want to talk about this, give us a call. Join us on the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today. WDET brings Detroit to you. News that affects you and the music you love. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Welcome to back to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests uh, are Matt Friedman of Tanner Friedman PR Firm and Nancy Derringer, reporter at Bridge Magazine. We are talking about uh, we're talking about the governor's state of the state address last night. Uh, what did he say? What did he not say? Uh, how did he deliver the speech? Uh, this was his seventh. Uh, state of the state, I believe. I think I'm right on that. Uh, next year will be his last. Um, give us a call, 313-577-1019. You want to join the conversation? You watched the speech, thought it was decent, thought it was great, thought there was things in it uh, uh, that should have been in it that maybe weren't, uh, or go to the WDET Facebook, put your Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Also joining us in the studio now is the producer of this program, Laura Weber Davis, uh, to talk about some of the listener comments we got uh, before the speech yesterday uh, at WDET.org. And on Twitter, we hashtagged uh, MySOTS. Laura, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me in. I'm, I'm excited to always engage with uh, listeners and figure out answers for them. And specifically with the State of the State Address, we were able to answer people's questions pretty directly. Uh, so we had this post on WDET.org where people could submit their questions. We'll do it in the future as well. Um, you can submit your questions and we have answers for you. So I want to read a couple of the questions that were there ahead of time and play the governor's answers. Um, people were hoping that he would address these issues. So the first question is, why haven't Flint residents 
not been adequately provided safe water. So uh, 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 here was what the governor had to say about why Flint residents have not yet received safe drinking water. By June of 2016, this last year, we provided $27 million to help with lead pipe replacements to the city of Flint. To date, we've seen progress. Over 600 pipes have been replaced. And we look forward to working with the city on accelerating the progress of that. We're working hard on that topic. In terms of health, we have over 24,000 new Flint residents on Medicaid waivers to help provide health care. On education, we have over 400 new positions for early childhood education in the community of Flint. And we've seen 827 new jobs created in that community since we started this process. And again, we're going to keep up activity in each one of those categories. And as Matt noted at the beginning of this program, he didn't make that statement until about halfway through his speech, which I thought as well was a little bit late in the speech, especially because I would say the bulk of his speech last year was devoted to this issue. And then with the promise associated with last year's, it was kind of strange that it came halfway through. But nonetheless, that is the answer that he gave. Uh, Another question that was asked of us is, what is Governor Snyder's plan to protect the health care of two million or more Michigan residents and prevent the repeal of the Affordable Care Act? Here was his answer. With respect to Healthy Michigan in particular, though, when it comes to the federal government, we hope for the best, but we can't count on it. There's going to be changes in health care. The important thing is, is we need to let them know that Healthy Michigan is a model that can work for the rest of the country, that we should be speaking up, And I look forward to working with my federal partners to talk about the value of this program, how it may even be enhanced as we go through these difficult and challenging questions. And we look forward to reimagining health care for all Michiganders in our entire country, with Michigan being a leader in that dialogue. I thought that was interesting on two counts. Right after that, he also said, I look forward to working with the president on this issue, uh, which is interesting because he's also admitted that Donald Trump has not yet returned any of his (laughs) phone calls. So I don't know how he's going to work with the president (laughs) on keeping this issue. I think uh, that's a relationship that has yet to take form. Uh, Yes, I would say it's nebulous. Um, But also, I I find it interesting that he he really places a lot of value and stock in this program um and really wants to make it a national model uh, whether or not that is successful i don't know but yeah. uh, he's going to first have to establish a relationship with one donald j trump i would yeah. say yeah so. well and and i think w- w- the the other part of that uh, affordable care act answer that's really interesting is i mean here is a republican governor who took a real risk uh, uh politically by embracing that part of the Affordable Care Act, and I know I've had the conversation with the governor before about his feelings about the act as a whole. He's not a supporter, but uh, the option for states to expand their Medicaid programs to provide insurance to people who couldn't otherwise afford it, he he thought was a really good idea. And of course, uh, uh, he got that passed. He spent a lot of political capital. Spent to get a lot of political right. capital to get that passed, and it's been wildly successful. Uh, as he points out, it's successful in its own way. I mean, that was the whole idea of these these uh, opportunities that states had, that they would have a lot of latitude to figure out how to run the programs themselves in states. I think we're going to see more and more of that uh, over the next couple of weeks as the Republican Congress and the new president uh, sort of bark very loudly about repealing the Affordable Care Act. I think uh, not just uh, politicians, but the people who are benefiting from uh, those programs are going to be speaking up and saying, look, you can't take our insurance. Bridge Magazine, of course, last week had a wonderful map uh, of the state of Michigan showing where 
where people are using uh, Healthy Michigan, uh, this this expanded Medicaid, and surprise, surprise, what most of the places that voted uh, heavily for Donald Trump, it was Trump also country. have yes. lots of people who benefit from these programs. Absolutely, and they um, and you know th- this is such a strange. I mean, every day <laughs> I wake up grateful that I'm a journalist because this is such a strange period in Weird American time, history. And, and if I read one more story from a poor or near poor or working poor person who is uh, benefiting from the a Medicaid expansion saying, oh, he's not going to change this. They're, they weren't serious about this. They're not going to take health care away from all these people. I just... I don't know. At the top of my skull is going to blow off. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. This is, but this happened in Kentucky, where they elected sure. a governor who, uh, who made it uh, his his the cornerstone of his platform to get a, to to do away with a expansion that's even more successful in Michigan. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, although I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here and make a prediction, I don't think they'll do it at the national level. I think they will. They'll preserve. They will have to preserve. You can't take. Uh, insurance away from 20 million people without a uh, sending the economy into all kinds of convulsions right. uh, and b uh, you know uh, causing a cultural and political sort of uh, snapback that that the GOP can't afford right now 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 how they get themselves out of that corner that they've sort of painted themselves into I think will be the sort of interesting part but I'm I'm quite certain that it won't entail yanking insurance away from that number of people. It's you know, and and if you think about it in the sort of context of history, uh, each time there has been a major sort of social expansion of government in this country, there has been this 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 lashback. I mean, uh, you think sure. about Social Security, for instance. A long time that that Republicans tried to get rid of Social Security after uh, it was created, but I think. The first and most important lesson in American politics is that you cannot take away what the government has given to the people. It just it doesn't work. Uh, It's uh, it's political suicide. And it's also I mean, it's also morally wrong and all of these other things, I think. But uh, uh, there is I I think there is very little chance that they will do that to the people who essentially put them in office. I mean, that's what your map showed. Well, and that's. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll see how that goes because, right. you know, and now we have another promise from the president-elect saying uh, insurance for everybody, cheaper, yeah. you're going to love it. We'll see how that so goes. Much right? Better. Yeah, right. So He's much better. He's throwing that out there while the GOP Congress is saying we're going to take it away from yeah, everyone. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got lots of folks who want to participate in this conversation. And again, 313-577-1019 is the number. I also want to thank Laura Weber Davis, our producer, for coming in. Sharing those uh, listener questions and the governor's comments with us. Uh, let's go to Aaron in Detroit. You're up first. Welcome to Detroit Today. Did you say Aaron? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> um, I'm good. How are you? Hi, uh, Stephen, and hi, Laura and Matt and Nancy. Um, my name is Aaron, as you know, and I, um, I was born and raised here in Detroit, and I was really interested in what the governor had to say about education. Um, I, I felt that his delivery was um, a little bit more, slightly more natural than, than usual um, yeah. of the speech, but I think he really gave some uncomfortably um, broad strokes when it came to education. He talked about, you know, what children should have very briefly um, about how education is important, um, things that we all know. But um, as a person who spent about half of my um, 
my K through 12 career in public schools in Detroit, I didn't feel that those were the places that prepared me for um, attending college and um, or, you know, potentially prepared me for maybe a, a, a kind of a trade um, um, institution, which is fine as well. But I, I would love to know, I wanted to know more about what Governor Snyder um, was hoping to do in the next two years yeah. regarding the public education system here yeah. in Michigan. Um, and, you know, a lot of what I hear about education, I don't have a child, you know, so what I, what I get from about education is listening to NPR, and, and I really want to hear from our, our state's leader yeah. more about that. Yeah, Aaron, uh, I, I'm in the same camp as you. I would love to have heard him talk more about that. Uh, Matt Friedman, go I'm, ahead. I'm not surprised that you were left wanting more from that topic, because that was another one where he said a commission is working on it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure you and I would have both liked to hear, what's that commission doing? What right. should we expect from that commission? Right. We heard about computer yeah. science being important. Yeah. We heard about apprenticeships being important. Yep. But what, what's the commission doing? Yeah. And he doesn't have a lot of time left, and, and he's been criticized by many in education for being a villain to public education. Yeah. I mean, the real is he question... going to try to reverse that image? Is he going to try to continue with that and slough it off? Yeah. Uh, we didn't get a sense of any of that. Yeah, I mean, the real question with education and this governor has been funding uh, from the beginning. I mean, that cut yes. that he made to the per pupil allocation was again pretty controversial when it happened. It had a real effect uh, on people's schools and people's classrooms. They've been sort of clawing their way back to. The previous funding level over over the, most of his administration, but you know when you compare us to other states in terms of what they're investing in their schools, we're really behind, uh, and we're also really behind with outcomes. Uh, the, the the two things go hand in hand, and he did not spend a lot of time last night uh, talking about that. Uh, so, Aaron, thank you very much for calling and making that point. Uh, let's go to Dan in Croswell. Dan, welcome to Detroit today. Yes, this is Stan from Croswell. Uh-huh. Uh, my my complaint with Mr. Uh, Snyder is the taxes. He raised my uh, retirement tax fourteen hundred dollars a year. It cost me, uh-huh. and now he's raised he's raised the gas tax against the will of the people. It's his only way to bail bail out Michigan is to raise the taxes on on the people in Michigan. It's wrong. Why so, doesn't I got a novel idea without uh-huh. trying to be too sarcastic? Uh-huh. How about spend less? <laughs> well, so so here's a question for you, Dan. Um, uh, as I said, the 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 commission that the that the governor started to look at infrastructure, for instance, here in the state, uh, came up with a number that said uh, we're four billion dollars short every year uh, in the number in the money that we need to take care of roads, to take care of pipes that take water. Uh, to our house to take care of the pipes that take sewage away from our houses. Uh, do the taxes, you say spend less. These commissions are saying we need to spend more to take care of ourselves. Uh, we need more money for education and things like that. When you say spend less, are you saying those things don't matter to you or do you have something else in mind? It has a lot to matter to me, sir. What, uh, a good example is Port Huron to Detroit, uh-huh. I-94. That money has been squandered. Look at 25 years. They've been working on that road every single year, and the money is, and, is, and they're still working on it. The money is being squandered. They need to better use the money that they've got now and quit raising the taxes on the backs of the Michigan uh, taxpayers. Yeah. 
Okay, Dan uh, in Croswell, thanks very much for that call. Appreciate uh, your sentiments. I think a lot of people feel that way, uh, and and certainly a lot of people are voting uh, with that in mind. So I appreciate uh, you calling and saying that. Uh, let's go to Bill in Rochester. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, hi, Stephen. As a small business owner who makes less than $100,000 a year, uh-huh. my, my health insurance went up uh, by the grace of God. I'm a, I have a family of four. By the grace of God, I haven't had to use it. It went up from $700 to $1,200 because of Obamacare. You're talking about your deductible. Yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah. Or, no, no, my or your premium. Actually, yeah. No, no. That, my premium is $1,200 a month. My deductible is $4,500 per person. Wow. wow. So my question, my question to you is, it sounds to me like when you, you brought up this idea that there's a moral imperative that we provide free health care to folks, we did that before Obamacare. It was, it was churches who handled health care back before we had health insurance. And what I submit to you is, if that is somehow a right, then where does it end? Why not, why not take it to food? Why isn't water a free right? Why, do, why should we pay for it as citizens? Everybody should get free water. Everybody should get free food. Well, I, I mean, mean you're on a pretty... You're on a pretty slippery slope there, Bill, uh, that I'm probably not going to slide down with you. I will address the, the health care question, which is, I think, a good one. And, and I, no one is saying that, uh, that the Affordable Care Act uh, implemented that, that fix perfectly. I mean, I think your story is, is one of the many stories that we're hearing around the country about people who are seeing these jumps in premiums, jumps in deductibles. At the same time, uh, you were always providing uh, insur- or health coverage for people who didn't have insurance. Because in this country, you don't get turned away from a hospital, for instance, if you're sick. And so what, uh, what was happening was you were paying for health care through emergency rooms, uh, which is why health care costs have been skyrocketing in this country for so long. M- my guess is that you are getting, uh, you are getting uh, your insurance on, this, on one of these new markets, maybe. Uh, and what, we're, what we see with new markets is volatility. Uh, the, no one's sure who's going to play in that market, uh, either on the consumer side or on the insurance company side. Uh, no one's sure what, what, pe- what the health makeup is going to be of the, the populations in there. And until that sort of leavens itself over time, uh, I think that volatility is, is going to be with us. But I would say that the solution to that is not to take care away from people who can't afford it. Uh, the, the, the Medicaid expansion uh, over time will lower costs by providing primary care to people who didn't have it before. That's also a market principle. Uh, I don't know that we've seen anyone uh, disprove that. And so while I get your frustration about uh, what's happening to you, and I think Congress ought to be doing uh, what it can to deal with that, I don't think that your solution, which is, well, everyone should uh, just sort of fend for themselves and maybe go to a church if they're sick. Uh, That doesn't make sense. In the wealthiest country uh, on the planet and the only Western democracy that doesn't just outright guarantee uh, health uh, coverage for everybody. And (laughs) there aren't many churches who can handle a typical... hospitalization for a heart attack yeah okay right. i mean that's, that's one thing if you've that. got it if you've got a broken if you've got a broken wrist it's another thing if you've had a stroke or some other major event i mean and one other thing i can't i can't run back the tape here and see if he said why don't we just say that free health care is a right or why don't we just say that health care is a right 
healthcare is a right in this yeah, country, and for and to and to argue about it is simply it, it it's a it it shows a lack of character because well, it is it is a it is the way we do business here. Yeah. When you when you arrive at an ER with your hand they over your chest, you. they are not going to turn you away because your wallet's empty. Right, because you don't have an insurance. Credit. We that we have yeah. healthcare is a right in this country. Yeah. How to pay for it is the, is the question. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Matt Friedman and Nancy Derringer, as always. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Right today. Uh, All right, up next, we're going to talk about the congressional hearings with Betsy DeVos. Took place last night while the state of the state was going on. I had to flip back and forth between the two. How did it go for uh, the Michigan Charter School Advocate? We'll have a discussion about that next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.